Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. Hi, everybody. It's Connie Stacey at Saltivation. We're here today to talk to you about use tax. This is a type of tax that maybe may not be top of mind for taxpayers out there, but definitely one that can maybe be a surprise, um, unfortunately, under audit, where we tend to see that come in as a surprise or inquiries from the states. But wanted to give everybody a little bit of information, some tips and tricks on use tax so that you are also not surprised down the road. With that, I'm going to just uh, ask Connie some questions here because she's kind of our resident expert when it comes to use tax, whether she likes it or not. And I'm going to ask her some questions here so that everybody can get some information. So I guess let's start with what's the difference between sales tax and use tax? I think that a lot of taxpayers are very familiar with sales tax, but maybe they're not so familiar with what is a use tax. Yeah, absolutely. Taxes, the same concept as sales tax typically. Um, it's it's basically where something that you've purchased is taxable, has not been assessed a tax by the vendor for whatever reason. Maybe the vendor didn't have a responsibility to collect the tax because they don't have nexus with your state. Maybe they didn't know that they're that the item you're purchasing is taxable in your state, what have you. So a lot of times the vendor will not charge tax. So if they did not charge tax on an item that is actually taxable in your jurisdiction, then you need to accrue and self-remit the use tax to the jurisdiction. That is true whether you're a business or an individual. Absolutely. In fact, you know, some states have started adding a use tax line to their income tax returns for individuals. So you can have no reason not to report it. There's nowhere to <laughs> nowhere to run from use tax. Right, exactly. So what are some things from a reporting standpoint that taxpayers should know? Because again, I think a lot of taxpayers are familiar with sales tax and maybe they're, you know, going out, they're getting registered for, you know, because of Wayfair or whatever, right? But like, you know, what do they need to know about use tax from a reporting standpoint? Yeah, so use tax is just a little bit different from sales tax in that usually the responsibility is more on you as the purchaser to take care of the tax, to remit the tax and to account for the tax yourself. So a lot of times the an invoice will come in, I'm talking from a business point of view, an invoice will come in to accounts payable group. They're trying to process as many invoices as they can during the day and just trying to get them out and get them paid. And so they're not paying attention to the various tax lines. So a lot of times the vendor may charge their own tax rate, not charging the tax rate for the jurisdiction where the item is being shipped to or used. And so a lot of times you may be paying tax there, but then you would also owe tax on another location. So just kind of trying to put a process maybe around the AP function as far as looking at at least looking at use tax, flagging certain accounts that would have more taxable purchases. So, you know, maybe like your furniture and fixtures, you might want to look at that. Uh, You might want to look at in some places software. There are various accounts that would more typically have a use tax associated with them than not. And then just having a process set up around the whole use tax accrual process, remittance and and calculations. Typically, it's a monthly reporting, and it's just a matter of going through and looking at each invoice, looking at what was paid, looking at what should have been paid, and kind of making that up. It's really no automated way to 
that do use tax, unfortunately. <laughs> um, there, there are systems out there, but it's just not, there are no perfect systems. So right. unfortunately, it's a little, it's a little bit, bit more manual. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It seems like yeah. it's a lot more manual process. Mm -hmm. And what about, I've gotten this question before. What about if a taxpayer says to you, what if I get, what if we order equipment? It could be laptops. It could be, you know, equipment used in their business. And we get it shipped to or delivered to a non-tax state, like a Montana, a Delaware. And then we ship it out to like a Texas or a Colorado. Do I owe tax on that? Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> yeah. No, typically, uh, you know, I think we all try to find ways to try to keep the tax down. But when you ship it to Montana, you know, that's great. But you need to look at where the actual, where the equipment's actually being used. So if it's being used in a tax a state where there is a tax on that equipment, then you would need to accrue and remit that tax. Right. Unfortunately. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I think that there are some taxpayers that think that that might be a planning mechanism where it's okay, I'll take I'll take delivery of it in, you know, a non-tax state and then I'll ship it out to our operations or whatever in tax states, but I think that they, you know, might not understand that once it gets to that tax state like a Texas, a Colorado or, you know, some of these other states, they're going to owe use tax on it. Tax was not paid on it in Montana or Delaware, the, you know, the states that don't impose it. Yeah. I, I think another twist on that, on that whole scenario is if you would consider that some states where if you have the equipment, the taxable equipment shipped to the state and then you ship it out to another state, some states don't have a temporary storage exemption. So you may owe use tax on that equipment while it's there in the state before you ship it out to the other state where you may also owe use tax. So right. just something to keep in mind, you don't want to pay more tax than you should. And then what's kind of the rule of thumb? Because let's say that you pay tax on it in the first state where it's shipped to, but then you ship it to a different state. Kind of what, what's, are you paying on the rate differential typically or kind of what, what are those rules? A lot of states will allow a credit for taxes paid if they were legally imposed by the other jurisdiction, um, so long as they were legally imposed by the other jurisdictions, key, key term there. So a lot of states will allow credits for taxes paid already. So you'll just reduce your tax by the amount that was legally paid to the other state. But it can be kind of an administrative nightmare, right, for, Absolutely. for taxpayers, because if you think about it, I mean, particularly with like remote workforce and things like that, right? What if you're shipping laptops or whatever into like a central location and then, you know, shipping them out, mm. you know, technically speaking, there's a potential use tax issue there in the states yeah. that ship to. Yeah. And, and thinking about even, even issues, and that's a state-by-state -state basis that you kind of have to evaluate that. But even if you were to get all the, you know, a typical thing for a company to do would be to take all the, to order all the laptops, have them sent to the IT group, wherever they're located, have them all configured for the employees and then ship them out to the employees wherever they may be, which, you know, after COVID, who knows where they are, they could be all over the place. And so that could be a nightmare. And then I guess from a remediation standpoint, let's say that, you know, we've got taxpayers that are listening to this going, I, I haven't done anything with this. So what are their options? So you know, a lot of the option it depends on again on the amount of tax and the amount of time that you've been in this jurisdiction. And so um I would suggest kind of taking a look first at your liability. What what do you think we owe to this jurisdiction? How far back do we go? How long have we been in this jurisdiction? And then based on that, you know, there there are various options. We can either register prospectively and go forward and take the risk that 
an audit could go all the way back to before, you know, whenever you started there. We could go into a VDA, a voluntary disclosure agreement with that jurisdiction saying, okay, we, we haven't been involved here, but we haven't been reporting, but we want to report now and get compliant. And typically for a voluntary disclosure, you're looking at about 36 months worth of use tax. So just evaluating that amount, going through the various accounts that might be with taxable purchases and coming up with that amount, uh, penalties are typically waived, interest is sometimes reduced, and um, you can just go forward with compliance from there. So those are kind of the the spectrum of the of the compliance efforts. Okay, and then licensing, right? So yeah. sometimes taxpayers, depending upon the jurisdiction, they might need to get a couple different licenses, right? If they have use tax and sales tax, right? Because some of the jurisdictions will qual or classify those as different and make taxpayers get separate licenses. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So sometimes. Especially with voluntary disclosures, when we're trying to enter into an agreement there, that's where we want to pay attention to what the state requires. Some states are totally fine with, you know, you're registered for sales tax and income tax, but you're not registered for use tax. So let's get you compliant and we'll help you in that respect. Other states say, you know, you're registered and you should have known about your responsibility to pay use tax. And so we're we're not going to enter into voluntary disclosure. You're stuck and you're we're going to maybe go back and audit you. I think that the audit period can be, it's typically the worst case scenario is about 10 years. Oh, that is, is what I've seen. That's a bad case. Yeah. And wow. that's a bad case because you have to go back and find all of your receipts and invoices and that sort of thing. And and uh, most companies don't keep receipts that long. They don't keep records right. that long. Right. And then reporting, right? There's states out there where the use tax is not on the sales tax return. Correct. So that's always fun. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out exactly what reporting form to report where. That's the the complexity of state and local tax, I think, is just trying to figure out who gets what, when, and how to send it to them and how to get it to them and how to report. So states actually have, and jurisdictions, um, speaking about home rule cities in Colorado, some jurisdictions have their own separate use tax return that you would fill out separately, complete separately. Typically, however, I would say the the one good thing is that they're typically due on the 20th of the month, just like your sales tax return. All right. All good nuggets. All right. Well, Thanks, Connie. And if anybody out there has additional questions or wants more information on use tax or any other salt topics, reach out to us at saltivation.com. Thanks and have a great day. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended, nor should it be relied upon as legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. You should consult with a competent professional to discuss specifics of your situation and the applicability of the information presented.